Blog Talk Radio. You ain't gotta hide your stuff, they tell your story. Keep on climbing and claim your glory. Better stop always fighting for a fight, yo. Here I come, better get knocked, and I'm never letting go. December 20th, 2016. We have got a loaded show for you this evening. A lot going on in the sports world. A lot happening in the NFL, college football, college basketball. A lot of stuff going on. Let's get right into it. This past Sunday in the NFL was very, very important. We've only got two weeks left. The season is almost over. And there's a lot of playoff spots left to be decided. In the AFC, the only teams that have clinched are New England and Oakland. In the NFC, you've got Dallas and Seattle, and everything else is up for grabs. The AFC picture currently looks like this. New England is one, Oakland is two. Pittsburgh sits in the three spot with Baltimore hot on their heels in the AFC North. Houston currently leads the AFC South. They'd be your four seed. The five seed right now would be Kansas City, and six would be Miami. In the NFC, you've got Dallas at one, Seattle at two. Currently, it's Atlanta at three, Detroit at four, and the Giants and Tampa Bay at five and six. A lot of that can change, though. The AFC West is still up for grabs. Kansas City's a game behind Oakland with two to play. Oakland has two tough games left against Kansas City and Denver. Um, I think the Raiders probably pull that division out because I think Kansas City splits those two games. I think the Raiders probably split those two games to go 12-4. and four. Kansas City, 11-5. and five. I think the Raiders win the division, lock up the two seed. The AFC North is basically going to come down to this week for the most part. If the Steelers can beat the Ravens, they will clinch. If the Ravens win, they're in the driver's seat going forward into week 17 with a game against Cincinnati. I like Pittsburgh in the AFC North. I think that they're the better team. I think they've really rounded into shape. That defense playing a lot better than they were early in the season. Uh, Roethlisberger looks real good. Le'Veon Bell is playing outside of his mind, uh, I, I think that that guy is is desperately trying to insert himself into the MVP conversation. It may be too little too late with the games he missed to start the year, but he's playing fantastic right now. The four seed is where it gets interesting. Houston's in the driver's seat. They got Cincinnati coming up this week. They're starting Tom Savage, a quarterback, which I think is the right call. I think Bill O'Brien made the right decision, but I don't trust the Texans. I don't trust them to win that game. And then in week 17, they get the Titans. The Titans in week 16 essentially have a layup. They've got Jacksonville, um, just fired Gus Bradley. They've got Doug Marone as their interim head coach. I think Tennessee wins that game, and I think Tennessee beats Houston in week 17. So I think Tennessee is going to be your four seed. Uh, I think they win the AFC South. And let me tell you, that's going to be a dangerous team. They run the ball exceptionally well. Mariota does not make a lot of mistakes. They play enough defense. It surprises me that Mike Malarkey is effective as a head coach at this point after his stints in Jacksonville and Buffalo, but that team is built around the kind of football he likes to play, ground and pound. 
Uh, I, I think that Tennessee wins the AFC South and is your four seed. Kansas City, I think, is pretty much locked into the five spot. Like I said, I think they go 11-5. and five. I think they have that five seed. The sixth seed is, is real interesting because you've got Miami in there right now. They're 9-5. and five. They have the Jets. Uh, they just beat the Jets. They throttled the Jets. They have Buffalo in Buffalo on Christmas Eve, and then they have New England at home. The New England game is hard to predict at this point because they may be resting people. They may have nothing to play for. So you might see Jimmy Garoppolo. You might see some guys getting rest. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is a huge drop-off when it comes to playing the Dolphins. Um, I don't think Miami gets it, to be honest with you. Um, I think Denver is still very much in play there. I think that... You could see another team sneak in there at the end of the day. It's not going to be Buffalo. It it potentially could be Houston, potentially could be Indianapolis if everything broke right for them. I don't think it's Miami, though. Matt Moore played really well against the Jets, but it's so hard to judge that because the Jets have just totally quit. I mean, if you you have any doubt about that, just check Sheldon Richardson's Snapchat account before a game. Um the Jets are done, so I, it's hard to judge them. I actually think Buffalo beats Miami. Bu- going to Buffalo on Christmas Eve, that, that place is going to be crazy. Rex Ryan's coaching for his job. His players like him. I think they're going to come out and play hard. I think they beat Miami. And then the New England game's a toss-up for the Dolphins. So I, I think Miami's out. I think that um, you could see Baltimore there. You could see Houston if everything broke right for them. But I think Miami's out in the AFC. Um, I, I think that of the outside of the top two seeds, I think Pittsburgh is clearly your biggest threat. Uh, they, they have the most experience, best coaching of those teams, and the best quarterback, and they have Le'Veon Bell, who, like we said, is playing ridiculous right now. On the NFC side of things, Dallas and Seattle are pretty much locked into those two spots. The Giants aren't going anywhere. They're 10-4, and four, even if they split the last two, 11-5. They're going to be fine in the five seed. The three seed, Atlanta and Tampa, that, that's so hard to predict because they're both playing games against the Saints and the Panthers. And I, I could see Tampa losing in, in week 16 because they're a young team. They were flying really high. They have that tough loss to the Cowboys where it looked like they were going to get blown out. They come back in the third quarter, take a lead, and then they lose it, have a chance to win in the fourth quarter on the last drive, and can't, can't move the ball at all. Now they have to go to New Orleans. Drew Brees can score points, generally. I, I, could, see, I could see the Bucks having a deflating loss, and if they go to 8-7, and seven, I think they're pretty much done because um, I think they, they may go into a little bit of a slide. So I think ultimately Atlanta wins the, AFC, the NFC South, the NFC is going to be Green Bay because Detroit had three very, very tough games left. They had to go to New York, now they're going to two games, and then they get the Packers at home in Week 17. And the Packers are on fire right now. They have Minnesota coming to Green Bay on, uh, I think it's on Christmas, and Minnesota is limping to the finish of this season. That team is done, and the Packers are are doing everything right. So I think Green Bay wins this week, and then they go to Ford Field, week 17 with the division on the line, 
I'm worried about Stafford's finger. He's got torn ligaments in his middle finger. The ball clearly wasn't coming out right. I think they had to have that game against New York on Sunday, and they didn't get it. Um, I, I think the Packers are going to be your four seed, which is going to set up, in my mind, the best game of wild card weekend, which is the New York Giants going into Green Bay. That's happened twice before, people. And the two times it's happened before, the Giants have gone on to win the Super Bowl. The Giants are one of those teams. I wrote a blog and talked about it on here. I think it was about a month or two ago when I said that there were three and a half teams that I thought could win the Super Bowl. And they were New England, Dallas, Seattle, and the half team was the New York Giants. Because if that team gets hot, they're dangerous come playoff time. And things may shake out for them in just the right way that the Giants could wind up doing some serious damage. Um, so we got a real interesting slate of games coming up in Week 16 and Week 17. Uh, playoff picture, still a lot left to be decided. It looks like we've got three teams in each conference that are locked in and then three spots up for grabs. It's going to be a lot of fun coming up to end this season. We don't usually have this much drama, so it's, it's going to be enjoyable. All right, let's, um, let's give you some no bull. There's been a lot of talk lately about players skipping bowl games. Leonard Fournette came out and said that he's going to skip LSU's Citrus Bowl game against Louisville, and Christian McCaffrey is going to skip Stanford's bowl game against North Carolina, which is the Hyundai Sun Bowl. I don't have a problem with this. And the reason I don't have a problem with it is because, first of all, both of these teams are playing in meaningless bowl games. They're not playing in a New Year's Six game. They're not playing in the playoff. The Sun Bowl and the Citrus Bowl are not doing a hell of a lot for recruiting at Stanford or at LSU. The other thing to consider is these guys are both projected to be first-round draft picks. Injuries happen, people. Okay, Look at Jalen Smith last year at Notre Dame. Injured the bowl game, missed his entire rookie year. That guy was projected to be a top-five pick. He went in the second round instead. Cost himself millions of dollars. Willis McGahee, when he played at Miami years ago, injured himself in a bowl game and cost himself a lot of money. We, we fall into this trap a lot of times of romanticizing college sports and focusing on the student-athlete and the amateur part of all of it. That's a mistake. Coaches don't romanticize college sports. Administrators don't romanticize college sports. The NCAA doesn't. They've got 42 bowl games. 42 bowl games. Are you really telling me that 84 teams deserve to be in the postseason? That's outrageous. Nobody watches most of these games. The Boca Raton Bowl was just on tonight, and nobody watched it. There was nobody there. And it was an entertaining game. I watched it, but the ratings are going to be terrible. Nobody was in the stadium. It was Western Kentucky and Memphis. Western Kentucky won that game, by the way. Coaches, administrators, the NCAA, they don't romanticize this game. And all, all the proof you need is look at Houston. Look at the University of Houston. Where's Tom Herman? Tom Herman going to coach the bowl game for Houston that happened this past week? Nope. Tom Herman's in Austin, Texas. That's his next job. He moved on. 
Why is nobody standing here saying, Tom Herman should have coached the bowl game before he left? Coach at Western Kentucky, Jeff Baum. He wasn't there. He wasn't there tonight. You know where he was? West Lafayette, Indiana. He's at Purdue now. Jeff Brown wasn't coaching the Hilltoppers tonight. He moved on to his next job. What's Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey's next job? The NFL. That's their next job. They need to be ready for the combine. They need to be ready for workouts. Injuries happen. Both of these guys know that because they both missed time with injury this year. They're getting prepared for their next job. I have no problem with it. No problem. If we were talking about a player on Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Washington, even one of the guys playing in the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl, I'd have a a problem with that because that's an important game. It means a lot to the program. It means a lot to your teammates. It means a lot. There's nobody at Stanford excited about going to the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Nobody. I don't care what they tell you. You don't go to LSU to play in the Citrus Bowl. Now, I expect that to be an interesting game because they're playing Louisville, and that contrast of styles is, is I think, going to be electric. But you don't go to LSU to play in the Citrus Bowl. I don't have a problem with what these guys are doing. And I don't think that it's going to open the floodgates to everyone skipping bowl games and leaving school early in the middle of a season These are unique circumstances. A lot of guys will want to finish the season. A lot of guys will want to play in the bowl games. I just think that we're jumping all over people for something that just makes – it makes perfect sense. Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey have both missed time this year with injuries. Why risk it? This is not an important game. So what? Stanford loses the Sun Bowl. You know who's going to remember that nine months from now? Nobody except David Shaw. LSU loses the Citrus Bowl, nobody cares. If this was a big game, it would be different, but it's not. I have no problem with these kids doing what they have to do to get ready for their next job. And after all, that is what college is supposed to be, is it not? Prepare you for a career. And that's what they're doing. Get off their back. People need to stop being so indignant about things when people are just doing what's best for them. All right, time for a three-point play. Three-point play this week is going to come exclusively from the NFL. First one we got is the Green Bay Packers. As we just said, they are firing on all cylinders. After their last loss, Aaron Rodgers came out and said, I think we can run the table. They've won three in a row, and they've done it pretty pretty damn impressively. He is playing vintage Aaron Rodgers football. Cold weather, snow, bad leg. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It gets it done. That game on Sunday in Chicago was the coldest games that have ever been played at Soldier Field. And Aaron Rodgers stepped up, put 30 points on the board, Threw a 64-yard pass, 64 yards in the air to Jordy Nelson, hit him right in stride, scrambling out of the pocket, clearly with a gimpy leg. 
He's obviously not 100%, and it obviously doesn't matter. The Packers are hitting their stride at exactly the right time, and nobody, nobody in the NFC wants to go to Lambeau Field in January for a playoff game. You can be sure that nobody wants to go there and face this team the way they're playing. It's funny to me to think that a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Mike McCarthy getting fired and him and Aaron Rodgers don't get along and all the talk about Aaron Rodgers not being a great teammate, not being a great leader, sending Christmas presents back from his family, and now it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because the guy is playing the way he's played for the last seven or eight years, and he's playing it at exactly the right time. Think about last year when they were in those the game against Detroit on a, I believe it was a Thursday night, and Rodgers throws the Hail Mary to win the game. Then the playoff game against Arizona where he has those two miracle plays to win the game. He's doing the same thing right now. Watch. You'll see. They're going to play Minnesota in Lambeau this weekend. They're going to win. Then they're going to go to Ford Field and beat the Lions to win that division. And they are going to be one of the hottest and most dangerous teams in the entire NFL. Green Bay Packers are for real, and they're dangerous. The second part of the three-point play we've got for you comes from New York, the New York Giants. I'll admit I was wrong about the Giants. I I thought it was smoke and mirrors. I thought it was smoke and mirrors up up until this past week. I thought the Cowboy wins were flukes. I thought the Giants didn't really have a very good defense. Ben McAdoo, Ben McAdoo just doesn't look like an NFL head coach. I don't know. Maybe the guy might be brilliant, but the hair is kind of goofy. The facial hair is weird. He wore a suit that was like three sizes too big to his press conference. But I, I was wrong. I was wrong, man. That defense has rounded into shape. The pass rush can be a little spotty at times, but they stop the run, and they play great on the back end. They spent a ton of money in free agency on the defensive side of the ball in the offseason. They brought in Olivier Vernon from Miami. They brought in Damon Harrison from the Jets, and they brought in Janoris Jenkins from the Rams. And those guys have been great additions. It took some time for them to gel and round into shape, but it's happened, and they've done a fantastic job. The The offense leaves something to be desired at times because they can't run the ball at all. They're running Paul Perkins now. They had Shane Vereen back for a week or two, but he's gone again. Paul Perkins, when, when that's your, your lead runner, you've you got some issues there. They're the worst team in football running the ball. And at times, their offense feels like it's Eli Manning throwing the ball up to Odell Beckham Jr. and, and just, just hoping. And, and Beckham converts a lot of time. I, 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 he's incredible. But at the same time, you're talking about a team with 10 wins. And, you know, they're sitting here with with two left to play. They beat the team with the best record in football twice. You have to give it to them. They're playing great football, and they are going to be tough to beat in a playoff game. Right now where they sit, they're likely going to get the NFC North champion, either Green Bay or Detroit. You have to like their odds going into either one of those buildings. If it's Detroit, I think the Giants are a road favorite. And if it's Green Bay, they're probably not a road favorite, but that game is as close to a pick as you're going to find. 
because the Giants don't spook easy. Eli Manning has been there and done it. And I know, I know the knocks on Eli. Eli is one of the most he's one of the most difficult quarterbacks to figure out that I've seen in my lifetime. Because you can watch Eli Manning in the regular season and say he is at best a league average quarterback. He will make some boneheaded throws. He'll hold the ball too long. He'll throw into to traffic. But then you look at those two Super Bowl runs, and the guy was unbelievable. Couldn't stop him. I mean, you tell me, two minutes left, fourth quarter of a Super Bowl, down four. Who are you trusting more than Eli Manning? Now, you might say Tom Brady, but Tom Brady in both of those games against the Giants had chances to win it and didn't. Giants have been the kryptonite to New England, and there is no other team in the league that can say that. And they have been playing outstanding football for nine weeks. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to beat that team in January. The third part of our three-point play I want to talk about is the Houston Texans-Jacksonville Jaguars game on Sunday. It was a 21-20 win for Houston after Tom Savage replaced Brock Osweiler in the game. And I got to give credit to Bill O'Brien for pulling Osweiler because the guy's getting paid $72 bucks, but he played like trash. I'm sorry. The guy played like garbage. After he threw two picks on two consecutive drives, Savage came in, led him back to a win, kept him in the driver's seat for the AFC South, the game they had to have. You can't drop the game to Jacksonville with those two games they've got left. Savage not only led him back to the win, but he completed eight passes to DeAndre Hopkins, who Osweiler magically just couldn't find on the football field. DeAndre Hopkins last year, we were talking about as one of the top five wideouts in the league, and Osweiler couldn't find him all year. Hopkins is having a worse year now than when he played with the likes of, and brace yourself for this list, T.J. Yates, Matt Schaub, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, and Case Keenum. These guys all had better years with DeAndre Hopkins than did Brock Osweiler. Yet somehow when Tom Savage comes in, Hopkins reappears. The Texans came out and said that they're going to stick with Savage for Week 16's crucial game against Cincinnati. It's the right choice. It might save their season, and it might save Bill O'Brien's job. They have to get out from under Osweiler somehow. I don't know whether whether they just bite the bullet and release him at the end of the year. I don't know whether they keep him as a high-priced backup I don't know whether they go after Tony Romo, whether they think Tom Savage is the guy. I don't know what they do, but Brock Osweiler isn't the answer. I think you saw that last year in about week three of his starting stint in Denver that it was pretty easy to figure him out. He's really tall. He's almost awkwardly tall. He's not nimble. He doesn't have a huge arm, and he's not accurate. He has none of the abilities that you need in a franchise quarterback that you're going to pay that kind of money to. So I think the Texans have made the right choice here. I think Bill O'Brien's smart to do this. It was a tough choice because that's not an easy call to make, to go and sit down the $72 million man and put in a guy who's making a few hundred grand a year. But it was the right call. They won a game they had to win. Good for him. We'll see what happens. I still like Tennessee in that division, but I think it was the right call. On the other side of that game is Jacksonville. Obviously, they lost. They fired Gus Bradley. 
on the plane on the way back to Jacksonville. Awkward situation there. Um, Bradley was 14 and 48 for a 228 winning percentage in his time in Jacksonville. That's beyond terrible. That is like worst in NFL history terrible. He's a great guy. Everyone who knows Gus Bradley says the same thing. He's a wonderful man. He's endlessly positive. He is a a guy who loves his players, loves football, but it, that that record you can't overcome it. And, and to his credit, he said all the right things at the press conference. He showed up at the press conference on Monday and said that Shad Khan and Dave Caldwell, the GM there and the owner Shad Khan, were great guys that they were nothing but supportive, that they gave him every opportunity, and that the table is set for the next guy. And that's great. Still had to go. Can't go 14 and 48 with a 228 winning percentage to keep your job. Time to go. I'm not sure he had to go with two games left, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not crying for Gus Bradley. The rumors are out of Jacksonville, they're thinking about Tom Coughlin uh, to come back, the first coach in Jaguars history, bringing him back. I don't have an issue there. Even at 71 years old, and and Tom Coughlin will be 71 in August of 2017, he's a young 71, if you can say that. Um, Tom Coughlin is a guy who would go in there. He would instill discipline. That team would be guaranteed that team improves by four or five wins just by putting Tom Coughlin in there. It doesn't solve the problem of whether or not Blake Bortles is the guy there. After last year, I would have leaned towards, yes, I think he took some steps. But after this year, wow. I mean, he's got weapons. I mean, maybe their running game's not great. I'm not really big on TJ Yeldon or Denard Robinson. But Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, Julius Thomas, They've got weapons. He's got guys to throw to. Mercedes Lewis he's had. I, he's got guys who will catch the ball. Blake Bortles just makes some decisions in a game that you look at. and it's uh, You just scratch your head and say, what in the hell is he thinking? He can't tell when there's pressure coming. The guy, I feel like every week he takes a hit from the blind side that you look at and you're like, I think his head is going to come off. He, he doesn't have it. I, I would... Whoever comes into that job, I would not marry myself to Blake Bortles because I don't think he's the guy. But I do like Tom Coughlin there. I think it's a good fit. They need a reset. They need someone different. Bradley was a a nice guy, a player's coach. Coughlin's a hard ass, but he learned in New York to soften a little bit. I think he'd be a good fit there. Either way, you can't keep Doug Marone. Okay? Doug Marone's a clown. I'm sorry. This guy was a head coach at Syracuse, got the Bills job, Coached there for two years. His last year they went 9-7. and seven. Everyone was excited in Buffalo, thought they were turning a corner. Then he opts out of his contract. Thinks he's getting a head gig somewhere else. Doesn't. Everyone passed. Became an assistant in Jacksonville. Doug Marone ain't the guy. I don't care if they win the next two games. He's not the guy. Go find someone good. He's not it. All right, that's the three-point play for the week. I want to talk a little bit about something that uh, came up in the last 24 hours, and that comes out of Dallas, Texas. Jerry Jones, 
or P.T. Barnum, if you wish, whichever name, they both fit. Jerry Jones did an interview with Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal after the game on Sunday, and he talked about the Cowboys quarterback controversy that came up last week and his role in stirring it up intentionally. And his quote was, quote, that's one of the things that makes sports interesting. I do feed that. I think there's some of me that wants to stir things up, Jones said. That probably is intentional. People heard this, and and all corners of the media was all sorts of outraged about Jerry Jones. Why would he do this? It's a distraction to the team. It, it could damage Dak Prescott's confidence. Nobody should be surprised by this. This is Jerry Jones. This is who Jerry Jones is. This is who he's been for 25 years. It didn't change him. I'm going to go one step further. We should be appreciative of it. That's right, appreciative of Jerry Jones doing this stuff. It's given us countless hours of conversation, of debate. It does make sports interesting. He's right about that. And also, let's just be totally honest here with each other, okay? Because Dak Prescott on on Sunday night went 32 for 36 and picked apart a very good Tampa defense. Great game. Fantastic game. But before that game, some of us were sitting around wondering, maybe Tony Romo would be doing better if he's healthy. Maybe Tony would have won that game against the Giants. Maybe the game against Philadelphia wouldn't have been quite so close. Maybe he would have put Minnesota away before the fourth quarter. That thought creeped into our heads. Anyone who says otherwise is lying. Because Dak Prescott played three games in a row that gave you a little bit of pause. Now, Dak put that to rest on Sunday night, no doubt. But still, the thought was there. It wasn't crazy anymore to think about Tony Romo in there. Jerry Jones is a wild card, and he's great for football because of it. You don't know what he's going to do. What he's going to do with this whole Tony Romo situation is fascinating to me. I can't wait to find out what he's going to do with this when this season ends. I think I know he's going to try to convince Tony Romo to stay as a backup. And I think I know that Tony Romo is going to say absolutely not. There was an article that came out yesterday that said Tony Romo might ask for his release instead of being traded. I don't know whether Dallas will do that or not. I think it depends on the market. But I do know that Jerry Jones isn't sending Tony Romo to Cleveland. He's not sending him to the Jets. He thinks of him as a son. Jerry Jones' grandson played for the state high school football championship on Saturday. And he won it. Highland Park won the the state title. And Jerry was at the game with his son, Stephen, And sitting next to Jerry was Tony Romo. And I heard Peter King of the MMQB talking today about his podcast where he's got Jerry Jones on coming out this week. And he said that Jerry told him that Tony coaches his grandson. And his grandson wears number nine for Tony Romo. He's not going to do wrong by Tony Romo. He wants to keep him if he can. He's not going to be able to. I think he probably knows that. 
but he's not sending him to Cleveland. He's not sending him to New York to play for the Jets. Tony Romo's not going to go anywhere he doesn't want to go. Jerry Jones is eclectic. He's outside the box. He's a little crazy. But he's good for football. He loves that team. He loves his players. And yeah, he stirs things up, and he's on the uh, he's got his own radio show every week. And sometimes he says things he shouldn't say, but he is entertaining. And if we, all, it's interesting to me, all the people out there who get on the NFL for these celebration penalties, they say, "Well, this is entertainment. Let people express themselves. It's entertainment. We want to have fun." Jerry Jones is entertaining. He makes things entertaining, without a shadow of a doubt. Nobody should be surprised, and Jerry, you just keep on being Jerry. All right, it's time to give you a top dog for the week. All right, generally we would give you the Thursday night game, but uh, it's the Giants and the Eagles. Giants are a three-point favorite. I, I, I really have no feel for this game. My gut tells me the Giants probably dropped this game to Philadelphia because it feels like a game the Giants drop. I don't think they're going to win out. I think they lose one, and I think this one could be a loss. So if I, I would probably tell you to take Philadelphia. But the game that I'm really interested in is not on Thursday. It's tomorrow night, Wednesday, and it's happening in the state of Kentucky. It is the University of Kentucky at Louisville. Battle of the Bluegrass, two top ten teams playing each other. Early on in the season, college basketball. We got number six, Kentucky, at number 10, Louisville. They are both 10 and 1. You have Rick Pitino going up against John Calipari. It's the battle for the state. These two towns are only separated by an hour and a half. Louisville's favored by a point. I like Kentucky here. Give me the cats. Give me the point. I like Malik Monk. What's not to like about Malik Monk? 49 points on USC in Las Vegas, on UNC in Las Vegas this past weekend. Louisville's best games they've played this year have been against Baylor, who beat them, and Purdue, who they beat by seven. Kentucky's beaten Michigan State and North Carolina, and their only loss was a five-point loss to UCLA. I think they're more tested. I think they're coming off a big win. I think they're going to be motivated by that crowd in Louisville. I think they're the more talented team. And at this point today, December 20th, 2016, I think John Calipari is a better coach. I like the Wildcats. I like the point. I think that this is going to be a fantastic, fantastic game. I think that that this is a game – that's going to keep everyone's attention. It's going to be the lead on Sports Center at the end of the night. So the top dog for the week, Kentucky at Louisville. Take the Wildcats. Take the point. All right, it's time to issue a death sentence. Time to play the death penalty. <laughs>
Time to play the death penalty. We have to issue a death sentence to one team or person. We do it every week. And unfortunately, this week, we're issuing the death penalty to the Minnesota Vikings. It upsets me because I love Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is a football guy's football guy. The guy's coaching with an eye patch right now. Literally an eye patch, but it's not one of those cool eye patches with a strap. He's got tape over his eye, which he ripped off in the second half of the game last week and said he wouldn't wear it anymore against his doctor's orders. Mike Zimmer is an unbelievable guy. He's a great coach. He's been through a lot personally, for those of you who are aware. He was a longtime defensive coordinator in Cincinnati, uh, lost his wife to cancer at a very young age. Really a a tragic story because she was apparently involved very heavily with the team. She was around the facility a lot, and she died far too young. And he finally gets his shot to coach the Vikings. The Vikings look like they're moving along. They're progressing. They make the playoffs last year. They have Blair Walsh just totally choked that game away. And now this year everyone's excited for Minnesota. Super Bowl contender Teddy Bridgewater goes down the week before the season starts. Adrian Peterson goes down week three. They trade for Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford, the first six weeks, they're 6-0, and and he looks great. That defense looked like nobody was going to score on it. But there were problems. Stephon Diggs looked fantastic. Kyle Rudolph looked like couldn't cover him. But there were problems. And those problems show themselves. Namely, their offensive line can't block a stiff breeze. They can't run the ball at all. Sam Bradford stayed healthy for the most part, but there's no one to protect him. Don't want to give him any time. Cordell Patterson couldn't catch cold. That defense is tired. It is worn out. The Minnesota Vikings traded away a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. Teddy Bridgewater comes back next year, and you don't know what you're going to get out of Teddy Bridgewater. Take a look at how Robert Griffin III looked after knee surgery. Similar quarterbacks, both small guys. Teddy Bridgewater's maybe 185 pounds soaking wet. That was before knee surgery. In what was apparently a catastrophic Knee injury. Sam Bradford, you can keep him around next year. What do you do with Adrian Peterson? What does that guy have left in the tank? You're on the hook for a massive amount of money if you keep him. They needed that win this past Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts, who have not blown anybody out all year, and they blow the doors off you. Minnesota's done. That defense is gassed. It's a shame because I don't know where this team goes now. They drafted Laquan Treadwell out of Ole Miss. Everyone thought he was going to be a really nice player at wide receiver. He's not. That's a first-round pick that looks like it might be a bust. Kyle Rudolph's getting a little older. Stephon Diggs is good, but you got no one to go with him. I don't know if you got a running back anymore. Adrian Peterson's not going to play forever. And he gets hurt. 
Look at his history. The guy gets hurt. He's a great running back. He's probably a Hall of Famer. I don't know. Probably. But he's got an injury problem. And as you get older, those things don't get easier. They get worse. They get more exposed. You can count on Sam Bradford being healthy for a second year. You can count on Teddy Bridgewater coming back 100% from a knee injury. When let's be perfectly honest about Teddy Bridgewater. He was fine. He was good. But he needed to take a step to be a championship quarterback. We don't know if he was going to take that step before, and we sure as hell don't know if he's going to take it now. So I don't know what you do with this team. You got a lot of veterans. You got a defense that's really good, but man, you ran the hell out of them this year. You got a young stud at wide receiver, but you don't have much else. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do going forward because the Lions look like they're here to stay. The Packers look like they're here to stay. And the Bears aren't going to be terrible forever, okay? The Bears have some pieces. I'm not saying they're a playoff team next year, but they're not going to be bad forever. I don't know what Minnesota does here. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do with Bradford, see how they play it with him and Bridgewater when Bridgewater is eventually back, see what they do with Peterson in the offseason. I'll tell you right now, if someone offered me a one for Adrian Peterson, I don't know that that team's out there, but if I'm them, I'm picking up the phone and calling the New York Jets because they feel like the team that would do this. If I can get a one for him, I'm moving him yesterday. You might find some sucker out there, some idiot, who will give you a one for Adrian Peterson. The guy's getting old. Maybe he's got one great year left in him. Doesn't matter. Take the one. Replace the one you traded for Bradford. Maybe the Jets. Probably not Cleveland with the way they're running things anymore. Hell, maybe Indianapolis. They might do it. They like older running backs. But my first call is the New York Jets because I don't think that team has any idea what the hell they're doing. And they love over-the-hill players. Jets love to win the back page. They don't like to win games. They like to win the back page, and that's a back page win. So, unfortunately, we've had to issue the death penalty to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm sorry, Mike Zimmer. Love you, coach. But we had to do it. All right, folks, that is our show for tonight. Tuesday, December 20th, 2016. Everybody make sure that you watch tomorrow night. Kentucky and Louisville men's college basketball. It's going to be a fantastic game, 7 o'clock in Louisville. It's on ESPN. Um, We've got a great slate of games this Saturday and Sunday. We've got some games on Christmas, too. Also some NBA action, although I I, I don't know. I, I never got into the NBA on Christmas, it was never really my my thing. It's hard for me to watch, but I'll watch some football. Um, we'll have a lot of the playoff picture figured out after this Sunday because it'll be really clear what teams will need to do in Week 17, and I think it's going to be a great finish. I think we're in for great playoffs. I think I desperately want to see New England and the Giants in the Super Bowl again just, just to see the, the, the death match. Um, but it's going to be fantastic. Great weekend ahead of us. We have a special edition of our podcast, The Cowboy Rides Again, coming to you on Christmas night live. It'll probably be 11 p.m. as usual on Blog Talk Radio. Um, Once you open up your presents, you eat your dinner, you have a couple of drinks, you're sitting back, relaxing, plug in to The Cowboy Rides Again. We'll talk about all the football action from the weekend, some holiday stories. It'll It'll be a good time for everybody. 
Um, again, we can be found on iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, and follow on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Mr. Cowboy Mike. That's M R Cowboy Mike. On Facebook, we are the Cowboy Rides Again. Um, follow the blog. The blog is thecowboyridesagain.com. Everybody, have a safe and happy holiday. A Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, we will talk to you on Sunday night. We're going to close out tonight with, uh, for those of you who don't know, we had a new open on the show, a new opening. It was Epic Failure's version of Living on a Prayer. Great song. We're going to go out with that one. Merry Christmas, everybody. I love you all. Have a good night. Working on the dock I've worn Gina shoes Work around the clock You've been underpaid and overworked I can see the blood and sweat In your open shirt And it ain't nothing to laugh It ain't something you feel Try to keep it concealed Ain't time to reveal But I know When it's too much I don't want it too much Lost the transmission I think I need a new clutch Holding on to my last Gotta give him my all Even when we can't stand We gotta give him a crawl Gotta give him a push Push and keep pushing Once I get my foot in my fall To be cursing Till then hold on
damn thing funny. 